welcome to another episode of the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Marco, with my lovely co-host... Jessica. How's it going, Jessica? It's going awesome. How are you, Marco? Pretty good. What are you drinking tonight? Having a beer. Having a green zebra from Founders. What is that? It's a Goza-style ale uh, with watermelon and sea salt, and that's what it says on the can, but really, it's just a light wheat beer, a little bit sour... Has that watermelon sweetness, some salt. It it tastes like summer, and a day like today. A little summer. Yeah, a cold day like today could use a little summer and fool myself into it. But what are you drinking? Bacardi and Coke Zero. Ooh. Mm -hmm. It tastes like college. It sounds like college. (laughs) Not fancy, but you know what? Gets the job done. (laughs) Kids are in bed. It's been quite a week. Whatever. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Clinkies. Yeah, that plastic solo cup doesn't really make a lot of noise. <laughs> a fun aspect of the week was that it, we completed the first full week of the Red Arrow Challenge. Hooray! If we had some website issues, of course, website goes down. Not the whole website, but the host who runs some of the widgets and applications on it have an outage right on Saturday afternoon as members are starting to put in their totals. Most were waiting till Sunday night or Monday. But just as all that's coming together from our first week, the login goes down. So I had to scramble to find a solution for that. Still working with the host going, guys, fix this. I don't know how many different technical guys I've talked on that end. And I mean guys in the general sense, because some are women, some are guys, some are faceless icons with ambiguous names that i don't know but it doesn't really matter they haven't fixed the thing yet uh the good part is that the back end of it is all on our side that's working so once we got that data in we are able to sort it out and crown winners in each of the age groups this week so that was pretty exciting week two's in progress so keep moving forward but to recap the week one champs swimming Not a lot of swimming going on. Might have something to do with the fact that it was cold uh, throughout most of the country. And most of our users are from the United States. Although, we're getting some podcast downloads from Europe and South America. That's exciting. Germany is our (laughs) number two most downloaded country. That's so funny. Or source of downloads. So, that's... Yeah, I know. I don't speak German, but, you know, awesome. Welcome. Uh, but for here in the United States, it was a cold week for week one, and especially in Michigan, where most of our listeners are actually in Michigan, where we are too, and it snowed in April. Snowed. It, it snowed a lot. Enough where we could go outside and play in it and have a giant snowball fight. Well, we only had one user turn in swimming distance, and the fact that we're, we've got coronavirus going on in most public pools and indoor pools and health centers are shut down. Not a lot of access, but this one user who is the champion for swimming for week one in the 20 to 29 age bracket, Gator Boy. I love the name. I love the name too, and I don't know where Gator Boy is from, but I'm guessing Florida, Louisiana, somewhere down south where it's warm. And where they have gators. Possibly, or maybe went to the University of Florida. Mm. I don't know. But Gator Boy got some uh, meters in and won the whole thing. Next up. Running. Running. A lot of people could do running, and they sure did. In our 9 and under category, Yellow Ninja was on top. In the 10 to 19 division, Allie 
In the 20-29 division, Super Mario is the champ. 30-39, Dr. Zeus, or Zeus? I'm guessing it's Dr. Zeus. 40-49, try, try again. Possibly a triathlete? I would assume so. And then the 50-59, Jamar, Jamar, Jamar. This is going to be rough. <laughs> and no one above that engaged in running. So after that? Walking! Walking was very popular this week also, probably because it's easy to walk through snow. It is. Or on a treadmill. In the nine and under category, we had a tie. Morgan 33 and Sophie 33 tied for the top. In the 10 to 19 category, JoJo was our champ. In the 2029 division, Smythe A? Smitha? I like Smitha. Smitha? Okay. In the 30 to 39 division, Mrs. Coach. In the 40 to 49 division, Coach T. In the 50 to 59 division, Bill. In the 60 to 69 division, it was another tie. Bertie and Wayne. Not to be confused with Bert and Ernie. And in the <laughs> 70 to 79 age category, No No Don. Possibly Italian. Uh, and in our 80, 89, and 90 and up divisions, we don't have any users in that division. So uh, if you know somebody who wants to be active and get out there and they're over 80 or over 90 or over 100, we could use some people. They'll be easily take the crown every week. Absolutely. And it would be amazing. Biking on the road. There were a few bikers out there. Even, you know, at least the, here the snow only lasted a day. So it was possible to get out there and users did. The 9 and under division, Vivian is our champ in biking. 10 to 19, Ronin runs. Apparently, Ronin rides bikes, too. Amazing. 20 to 29, MC Grant. 30 to 39, Cyclopath. Sounds like a biker. Mm -hmm. 40 to 49, Try Try Again, also won that category. And in the 50 to 59, Mrs. Golden. And no one over 59 competed in on-road cycling. Biking off-road. Not as much off-road biking. Apparently, we don't have fat tires, snowed bikers, <laughs> especially when it's wet, slushy snow. Only had bikers in three category or three divisions for this. Uh, in the 20 to 29 division, Smitha, Smitha, what did we decide we were going to call this person? Smitha. Smitha, how are we going to pronounce it? In 40 to 49, Cyclone. And in 50 to 59, Mrs. Golden again. Paddling. Sit down paddling. Again, it's cold. Who wants to be on the water? I know I didn't want to pull my kayak out. Nope. A.R. Miller or Arm Iller, however you want to pronounce that one, in the 50-59 division, Arm Miller is... Let's go with Arm Iller. It's probably A.R. Miller. Uh, A.R. Miller took it, and also in the paddling, stand-up paddling division, well, A.R. Miller... Took the 50 to 59 age group, but Gator Boy was back in the 20 to 29 age group. Again, making me think that Gator Boy lives somewhere down south. Yeah. I Unless so. Gator Boy has his own pool at the age of 20 to 29 and is indoor paddling in circles on a paddleboard. I would love to see somebody paddle circles around a pool. <laughs> that would be amazing. Or really little paddleboard in a hot tub, yep. bathtub. Even better. <laughs> Skating. Skating was came in low, and it's understandable with everything closed down. The roller rinks are shut down. The ice rinks are shut down. But it was cold, and we had snow. But we also had it you know, cold, and you can go out and skate. So we did have users go out and skate in the 9 and under category. Morgan 33 took the championship. 
In the 10 to 19 age range, JoJo was on top. 20 to 29, Gator Boy was out there skating around. 30 to 39, nobody. No 30 to 39-year-olds put on skates. In the 40 to 49 age group, Coach T was on top. And then Coach T was our oldest participant who hopped on a pair of skates. Cross-country skiing. No members reported cross-country skiing last week. So either no one owns a Nordic track, those classical Nordic tracks, or no one lives in a place that had enough snow for cross-country skiing. Hockey. Sadly, no hockey, because I know I personally would have loved to have played hockey last week. But no hockey reported. Again, all the ice rinks are closed down right now. Mm -hmm. And points. Points. So, bringing all this together with our formula that equates them out, and, you know, look, there's no perfect formula for equating running to skating to biking to paddling, but this one's for fun. We put some work in, we're scientists at heart, so we put a lot of work into it. But when you look at those point totals, you put them together, we had almost 100 people competing, and the age group Champs for 9 and under is Little Marsh for 10 to 19. Allie came out on top. 20 to 29, Super Mario. Super Mario beat out Gator Boy, even though Gator Boy did a lot of interesting things. 30 to 39, Cyclopath. 40 to 49, Try Try Again. 50 to 59, A.R. Miller. 60 to 69 was a tie between Birdie and Wayne. And 70 to 79 was No No Don. And again... The 80 to 89 and 90 and up, we don't have anybody in that category yet. Both those categories, they're just sitting empty. So if you know somebody, they can easily take the crown. And then there are featured members, which are you and me. Woot! (laughs) Uh, In terms of points, uh, I beat you. Uh, By like three times as many points. You're way more active than I am. Well, but we were active. That you, was, was, you went skating, and I did not do that. I did go skating. But the important part, we, we were active. We were active. Got out there. How's your week two going? Oh, it's going it's going really well. I've gotten out there, and I've been active almost every day this week. Uh, I discovered this week that I need to adjust my bike seat. Why is that? Things got bruised. <sighs> and it was unpleasant. And I think that's all the details I want to share about that. I'd like to say that I can understand, but only to a certain extent. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Sounds like a sensitive topic. Indeed. Marco, how's your second week going? It's going pretty well. Um, Early, the first day, it was beautiful weather, and I was inside because all the data was pouring in, and I was fighting back and forth with the technical guys over email. So I kind of wasted a good day. Did get some treadmilling in. Got a nice run in at like 9.30 at night and it was pitch black. At least you got it done. Got it in. Been out there. Got a beautiful, uh, almost 25-mile ride in yesterday. Got some skating in today. So all in all, it's been a good week. Fantastic. Be a better week if I could get out and play hockey, if the governor would ever open up the ice rinks. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. At this maybe, maybe, maybe later this summer she'll open the ice rinks. Maybe. It is my favorite form of cardio. But for now, making do, uh, getting running in, getting walking in, getting skating in, getting biking in. Still too cold to go swimming for me. And our pool is closed. Well, that too. And I haven't pulled the kayak out of the garage yet. Yeah. Well, leave some variety for the weeks ahead. 
But for now, I can't wait to see how week two turns out. So when we get to Sunday night, Monday during the day, turn those totals in. And if you're listening to this and want to participate, sign up on our website, become a member, and jump in. Join us. It's fun. of the Red Arrow Challenge for week one out of the way, let's move on to our main feature for tonight, which is really focusing on our smaller, shorter, younger members, those with the shorter legs. We might call them chronologically challenged. (laughs) When we came up with the name of Red Arrow Health and Wellness, wellness was referring to both being physically well and also mentally well. And it's important to keep kids and adults both physically stimulated and mentally stimulated, especially in a time of shelter in place, quarantine, coronaized. I heard today too. Coronaized. We've been coronaized. Wow. I don't know. That's new. Yeah, it is. Uh, whatever that case may be, whether we're in our normal routine or we're in this modified state of operation, it's important to stay both physically and mentally stimulated and active. For adults, it's a little bit more easier to discuss and work on. That's, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek because, look, I mean, how many years was I completely inactive as an adult? Advanced degrees in psychology, under you know, understanding behavior, invited speaker on the topic, and my own behavior was difficult to control. Of course, a wise man once told me, don't judge a behavior analyst based on the behavior of their own kids. <laughs> That's not an assessment of their abilities as a consultant and as a professional. But for physical wellness, the kind of the core concept we're putting out there is the Red O Challenge, something to help motivate people, keep them on task, keep them working, coming back every week, mixing it up, working other muscle groups. And it's all built in there without having to think about it. Easy for adults. How does that work for kids, though? We get asked all the time, even when we were doing the summer racing club, it's like, how do we do this for kids? And we have adults who don't want to sign their kids up. It's like, look, I'm not buying my kid an Apple Watch. They're in preschool. (laughs) They're in first grade. I'm not buying them a Fitbit. How do we track all this stuff? It just seems like a lot of work. Easy. We're going to talk about that physical piece, and we're going to talk about some mental stimulation for the younger members of the group, because you can join at any age. So let's roll into that. Leading off, Marco, you handle the physical side. Cool. Easy enough. Got four kids. We've had them active. We've done the summer racing club. Now we've got them all into the Red Arrow Challenge. We've got a mix of ages. Kid one, kid one is about to move into junior high. She's already designing her own data sheets and her own data log for tracking everything. You know, she's basically becoming a tiny adult. <laughs> Sad to think about. But uh so that's easy enough. Kid two is what we call upper elementary. He's in that later half of elementary school. We help track things for him, but he's on top of it. He's to the point where if he's doing laps around the neighborhood, he's doing tally marks every time he goes around. He knows he's got an iPod, uh, basically an iPhone without the phone feature. So if he's on the treadmill, he just takes a picture when he's done at the end. He's got a kind of a virtual log, like a digital log. 
kid three, lower elementary, that first half of elementary school, but he's the same way. He can take photos, he does tally marks, he just tells us, you know, I did so many laps or around the neighborhood, or I did so many minutes on the treadmill and the distance thing said this. Great, easy enough. But let's focus on the smallest, youngest member. So we've got kid number four, who's about to roll into preschool, knows most her numbers, although she skips 14 and 15 a lot when she counts to 20. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? Not a problem. Do a few things, and a few things I'm going to go through that work with the older kids, too, that we've done with them, because kid three started at the same age had a great year and has been looking forward to the club every year after that. So first up, when you've got little kids, same as adults, same as older kids, you got to make it fun. If this is a chore, like taking out the garbage and setting the table and cleaning your room, they're not going to want to do it. You're not going to want to do it. It's just (laughs) miserable. Make it fun. If If healthy competition makes it fun, Great. Now, if it's just brutal, in your face, I beat you, they're not going to want to do it again, unless that's the kind of dynamic you have in your household. Some people do. <laughs> I don't, the face you made was great, Jess. Uh, but our kids, that would shut them down. They want to get out there. They want to see if they can get more and more and more points, make the lines go up, make the numbers go up. Now, they do enjoy winning when they see the leaderboards at the end of the week. The first week is always interesting because they're not really sure and no one's really sure what the other competition out there is doing, what they're prepared for. So it's interesting to see, okay, now that the first week has been out, how are they going to respond for week two? Are they going to step it up? Are they not? And we don't really push them too much other than reminding them, hey, it's beautiful out, go run. Or if you got that much energy, why don't you go do a couple laps around, you know, hop on your bike and go do some laps around the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Or it's, as a family, we're all going out and we're going out now. Oh, I want to play Legos. I want to go later. Like, no, you're not going riding around the neighborhood. You're in X grade, uh, lower elementary, upper elementary. You're not going doing laps around the neighborhood while your mother and I are working on dinner in the kitchen and no one's supervising you. Absolutely not. We're not going to be doing that. I'm going out now. I'm going to go run laps around the neighborhood. I'm going to go skate laps around the neighborhood. Now's the time. If you want to ride your bike, hop out now. They usually go. So creating that opportunity. And yes, there's some little urging to go, but it's not like you have to go now or you're grounded or... And there's not really a big reward or a point system. When I was a kid, my parents had a point system. You had to exercise X amount. And if you did that, you earned $5 for the week. And that was essentially our allowance. We had some chores to do. We had some academic work to do. And then we had a whole bunch of physical fitness stuff we had to do, practicing Taekwondo and whatnot. And true to form, and if you, you study the science of behavior, you understand with that type of contingency, we did just enough to get our five bucks. <laughs> and once we hit the, the level we needed to, whatever amount of exercise or reading or math problems or cleaning we needed to do to hit the threshold, to check the box, to get the $5 at the end of the week, that's where we stopped at. It wasn't that, wow, we love this so much, we're going to keep on practicing. No, it was exactly like, oh, we got to do 30 minutes, four days a week. That is exactly how much we did and not a second more. Yep. In this case, with the way the Red O Challenge is set up and the Summer Racing Club before that is, keep going. 
it's just more and more. Oh, how much can you rack up? It's not do a minimum amount and quit. It's keep going and keep going and keep going. Get more miles, get more kilometers, more meters in the pool. Can you rack up more than your friend? And this nice part about the summer racing club was the kids know each other. Yeah. Now with the Red Arrow Challenge, there are aliases. There's people from around the world. That's kind of interesting. So I want to see how this turns out now that there's not, it's not the kid sitting next to you in class anymore. Mm -hmm. Now we're going global. So let's see what happens. But in regards to the pre-care. Ah, yes. Kid number four, the shorty, the shortest of the shorties. <laughs> She's tiny. So there are some things I can do with kid four uh, that makes it more interesting. This is her first year, but this is not my first time with someone in their first year. She doesn't care about competition. She does not care about beating other people. She does not care about the grand total yet. She's just in it to have fun with everyone else. And that's mm-hmm. her personality. If I'm out running around the yard or the neighborhood, she wants to chase me. Now she is too short <laughs> i mean she's short for her age group even she is, she's on her own curve she is on her own growth curve so if i take off on a run her little legs aren't going to keep up at all like not even next to me like i'm gone but what i can do is i can walk at a fast pace a brisk pace under the walking category and she will run to keep up and she's a good little runner i can't wait for her to get up to track and cross country when she's older because for a little, little, little kid, not trying, not hard not to say her age, little, little kid, she's got like naturally nice form. Aww. So I really hope I'm still coaching the, her team at her school when she gets up because it'll be fun. But uh, that's what we'll do. She calls it, Daddy, I'm fasting. I'm fasting. Fasting is my favorite. I'm fasting. And she will just, she'll run around. But to track her distances, what I'll do is I'll turn my Fitbit on to the run setting, which I can go back later and note it as a walk. Mm -hmm. And I will walk at a brisk pace and she will chase me. And if it's a rainy day, I can do it just walking all over the first floor of our house. In and out of rooms, back and forth, but just keep up that pace. And she's at full speed chasing me. And so I have to mix up the pattern a little bit too. Otherwise, she will try to head me off at the pass <laughs> and cut me off. She's not fast enough to pass me, but she is fast enough that if I don't keep up that fast pace, she will run me over. Yep. And it's even worse when she has a little plastic stroller and she's chasing me at top speed. Because if I don't keep it up, that thing is coming down on my Achilles tendon. And Boy, does that hurt. It's my favorite because then she giggles. And she says, I got daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for keeping track, whether we're going around the neighborhood or we're in the house, me tracking my walking, that's her run. Easy peasy. Um, a lot of adults have activity trackers and GPS, or you can do it on your phone. It's an easy way to get in their totals. Now, am I getting 100% of her running throughout the day? Absolutely not. She's a little, little kid. She's about to go into preschool. That's like all she does. So she's all got, she does. She's all got day long. two settings on and off. There's slap, no, slap, slap. there's nothing between. Oh, I love that little kid slap, slap, slap sound. <laughs> Whether they're wearing shoes or they're barefoot, the little way, the way their feet hit the floor. Mm-hmm. Oh, love it's it. Best. Going to miss it. But we nail down those extended periods. And I mean, she does it. We're talking about 20 to 40 minutes. And it's not like, hey, little kid, kid four, you've, <laughs> you've got to work out right now. She's. 
she is a little kid. She doesn't have to exercise. She does it because the rest of us are doing it, and it's fun, and we're all enjoying it, and we're into it. And this is her chance to participate because she's been in the jogging stroller the past few years or in a backpack attached to the bicycle riding along. So now it's her turn to go. So her runs are tracked with my walking. Swimming, are when the pool does open, our pool, we know the length of our pool. And one way to get her excited about what we used with the other kids when they were younger is we throw pool toys in and we make them go chase it. We don't, I mean, we don't make them, but it's a game. And that's the important thing is make it a game, kind of like chasing daddy around the house and fasting and how fast can you go and can you catch daddy? Can you go catch the pool toys? And they flow. And then her age, she's wearing the, the full chest pool floaty where that goes around the arms too, that keeps her above water. Mm-hmm. So she really just has to kick and paddle. Well, we'll throw them to one end and she'll go down. We can throw them the other way and she'll go back. Well, that's now a down and back. Mm-hmm. If she does the width on the pool, we have the width measured. And we'll just make tally marks for her. So that's running and swimming. Biking will be a little bit new. She's just starting to get a hang of her tricycle. So this is the summer we're getting into the tricycle and pedaling. But with her, our neighborhood, we have a we know the distance around the neighborhood. It'll be kind of like her runs in that there will be an adult standing next to her walking because I've got pretty good balance on my bike. I do not have good enough balance to stay at a standstill while she pedals a tricycle. Not to mention, I have a feeling partway through, I'm going to have to hop off anyway and carry the tricycle back. Yep. When we get out there, when it's warm enough and when she gets the hang of the pedaling, it'll be, I'll just turn my Fitbit onto the run setting, which has GPS on my Fitbit. She'll pedal away, I'll walk right next to her, track it, and I'll switch it over to a walk for me, and then we'll make a note that's a bike for her. Easy enough. If I don't have my Fitbit or the battery dies, we'll just count the laps. Every time we come around, we'll grab a piece of sidewalk chalk, make a tally mark on the end of our driveway, do another lap. Mm -hmm. Although with kid number four, I don't foresee a lot of laps in repetition without a sizable break in between. Nope. Little legs pedaling away on little tires. We'll be lucky to get once around the neighborhood, I think, with her. I think we'll be, yeah, we'll be lucky to get a halfway. Exactly, before she says, before carry, carry me. Yeah. I'm tired. At the farthest point from the house will be where she quits and I have to carry the tricycle <laughs> back and her. More of a workout for me. Yay! She could piggyback. That's not so terrible, right? While carrying a tricycle. Yeah. I am too tall and too big to be pedaling the tricycle back. We've got three other kids. You can make one of them go get it. (laughs) If they're around. All right, so that's swim, bike, run. That's pretty much going to be the extent of what she does. She's been been skating a few times, and by skating, I mean we tied skates to her feet, and she was out on the ice, but really it was me holding her and her just getting comfortable being out on that ice surface. She won't be starting skating lessons until – Maybe this winter. Maybe. Maybe at the earliest. So we don't have to worry about that. She's not going to be going cross-country skiing because she's not like my parents who put me on my first set of cross-country <laughs> skis just before my second birthday. That picture's really cute. Thank you. It is. It Toddlers is. on skis are adorable. That was uh, the picture you're talking about. It was at Christmas. I, I've got a winter birthday that comes after Christmas, but that was just before Christmas. So I was one in like a lot of months, almost two, my first set of skis in the backyard. 
She won't be playing hockey. Uh, she won't be paddling. She might go for a ride in the kayak, but she probably like that. She and when I might, you know, I do have a little kid paddle I can let her hold. Oh yes, that's important. She needs the props. Yeah, she needs the props. So so it's part of the fun and being out there and something to look forward to. But I don't think the paddle would touch the water. No, she's got tiny arms. Yeah. So we've nailed the topics. We nailed the basics. Uh, something we do at our house is we have a whiteboard that I took uh, colored electrical tape and made a grid. And then the first column has everybody's name. The other columns going across the top have all the days of the week. So everyone, every day of the week for each person has a box. And with a dry erase marker, you just go and you write in what you did. It's a great way, no matter what their age group, to have it in a central location and we can see who's doing what. And also kind of plan out like, well, you know, this is going to be a rainy day. So everyone's probably going to want the treadmill. So maybe we have to like budget out who's doing the treadmill when so that everyone's trying to do it right after dinner. <laughs> but this is a good central location for keeping track of that, that data. So then I can just sit down with my laptop or just can sit down with hers or on our phones Sunday night and go, OK, what did everybody do this week? Mm-hmm. And it's sitting right there, and we're not running upstairs trying to find kid number one's log, and we're not digging through our phones because we've we've jotted it down, and then we enter it in, grab the eraser, wipe it off the board. Kids really like reading their uh, distances off of the board when we submit the data every week. They get really, really proud of what they've accomplished, and their little chests puff out, and they have big old smiles on their faces, and it's super cute. A lot of buy-in with that whiteboard. Now, some of the other things we'll do throughout the summer to keep it interesting, keep it fun, because that's the big thing with the kids. Keep it fun as we'll mix up the races. Now, we've talked about color runs and some of these other 5Ks, really fun 5Ks you can sign up for, drench runs, what have you. When you've got multiple kids and some of them give you a discount for the little kids, so others don't, it still can get expensive. And they're, they only roll through town like once a summer. Mm-hmm. Recreate some of those on your own. Things we'll do to make make it fun is break out the squirt guns. We have gone to the track before, uh, the local high school track, and brought squirt guns with. And then it's all right. We're going to do laps, but as you pass somebody, you can squirt them. And here's a bucket of water, the refill. Or and the adults are going to go do an extra lap. You know, you, you guys do every other lap because you're younger. Well, when they're taking their off lap, they're reloading. And then when you go by... <laughs> They're squirting. Now, here's the payoff for the adults. When it's hot out in the summer and you're out there running laps, having your kids with squirt guns ready to hit you, it's welcomed. It's so nice. It's great. <laughs> it's fun for them. They're running laps. They're chasing you down. They don't They don't go, oh, I'm not, you know, usually we think of exercise as adults. Oh, I've got to work out. They aren't thinking about that. They're thinking about, I'm going to go squirt my mom in the butt. Yep. Along the same lines, costume runs, tutu runs, mm-hmm. but on the tutu, male or female, who cares? Nope. Goofy outfits. All right. We're, it's a random Wednesday. It's four in the afternoon. We got dinner coming up in a little bit. It's, it's in the slow cooker. It's ready to go. Let's go out for a run and go grab some superhero capes. Let's go. And the wigs. Don't forget the wigs. The wigs. Depending on how hot it is, but... The yeah, wigs. Today's superhero cape, or today's red day. Go find red stuff, or it's college day. Go find something from a college. Go find whatever your theme is. Pick a theme. Go for it. Dress up. 
who cares what the neighbors think? Actually, our neighbors think we're nuts anyway. But they do think we're nuts. Uh, I don't really care. You know what? The family's out there. They're being active, and that's the important part. And then also, while you don't want to make it the reward for working, every so often, have an ice cream party when you're done. Have a popsicle, fruit pops, whatever. Something cold at the end, especially the hottest parts of summer. We get into July, August. It doesn't hurt to have some of those little, or those little freezy pop things that always, like, you snip the top off, and then, like, the plastic always seem to cut the side of your mouth anyway. The seeds. Yeah, those things. Have those. Have some popsicles. Have, you know, whatever. Something, some treat intermittently, not every single time, but once in a while. Just those are the kind of things they're going to remember. Are we went for a run and afterwards we had special treats. We sat on the front steps and had a popsicle. Mm-hmm. So easy enough, even if they're tiny, even if they're just the little guys out there, still can keep them active in the Red Arrow Challenge. And it's not that hard to track what they're doing. Plus, chances are most of those activities you're going to be doing with them. You might throw it in a different category, like when kid number four is out biking or kid number four is running, it's walking for me but i'm still getting exercise and it's still counting towards the red arrow challenge for me just slightly differently mm-hmm. now that's keeping uh the kids motivated kids stimulated physically even kid number four physically stimulated but on the mental side just you can do the mental side tonight because i need a sip of beer <laughs> All right, Jessica, so keeping those little kids, and we're, we're focusing on the little, like, preschool age, right? Yes, we're going to focus on the preschoolers. Right. So the preschool age kids, keeping them mentally stimulated. And this not only applies to right now where everyone's sheltering in place and stuck at home and climbing the walls because they're bored out of their mind because of the coronavirus or the Rona. So for our little buddies, the younger ones. What do you got to keep them from driving you nuts? Okay, so the first activity I have is called Matching Nuts and Bolts. Ooh, nice segue. I know, and this is super fun for older toddlers who don't put things in their mouths anymore and uh, preschoolers. Generally, we're talking three, four, five. Is five yeah. still a toddler? No, five's not a toddler, but it's a it's a kindergartner or a, or a TKer or a young five. Possibly two-year-olds, more advanced two-year-olds. More advanced two-year-olds. If you find that your two-year-old seems to have very good gross and fine motor skills, this would be amazing. But make sure that you provide lots of parental supervision with this because it does have small pieces. Cool. Also, this activity is particularly fun for adults because you get to go to the screw aisle of your local hardware store. And I know that I personally love going down that aisle every time we go. Because I, I like to stick my hands in the containers. I like seeing the faces on different people when I go down there with young children who start mixing up the exactly. drawers of nuts and bolts and threaded fasteners. Yep, it's so much fun. Um, So let's see. For materials, you're going to need two to four bolts of varying lengths and widths. I like the bigger sizes as I find that they're easier for little hands to manipulate. You're going to need some nuts that match the screw size that can be threaded onto the screws. And we're talking about metallic 
nuts. Yes. The go with nuts and bolts go together. Don't go down right. and get some walnuts or pecans or. Uh, I mean, no, don't do that for this. And also, there, there's always that you know, there's warning labels out there that are really goofy because somebody did it. So yeah. just putting it out there. No, it's totally fine. Um, and then you might also want to pick up some washers that will fit onto the screws, just for some extra fun. If you're not a technical person, the washers are those. Those little metallic rings with the hole in the middle. They look like there donuts. you go. All right, and then you're going to need at home a plate or some kind of pan or something to put the screws and nuts and washers onto. Not your nicest fine china. Please do not use your nicest fine china because you will scratch the heck out of it. Don't even use the stuff you normally eat off on a regular night. Okay, so what you're going, yeah, an old, old dish, something you've got left over from college or plastic is even better. So what you're going to do is you're going to put the screws into one pile on the plate and you're going to put the nuts into another pile on the same plate and the washers into a third pile on the plate. And then you're going to invite your kid over to play. You're going to show them how to see if the nut fits onto the screw. It's like putting together a puzzle. Once you find a nut that's going to fit onto the post of the screw, you can show them how to twist it onto the screw all the way down to the head of it. Ask them if they can match all the nuts to the screws. Once they get going with this, you can usually walk away from them, maybe to do some dishes. While you can still keep an eye on them, or if you're going to start prepping things for dinner, you can be slicing onions while your kid is putting a nut onto a screw. Bonus, see if they can match the washers onto the screws too. Once they get the nuts all the way to the bottom of the screw, or the, the head of the screw, see if they can unscrew them to get them off. So this activity works on their fine motor skills with the twisting motion to get the nuts on and off of the screws as well as their problem-solving skills. They have to match the correct sizes of the nut hole onto the screw posts. <laughs> you know, it's too late in the evening, and we're, we're, into, we're into some beverages now to be using the word nut hole. <laughs> but Whoa, you have is that one word, two words, or hyphenated? Nut hole. It's just two words on <laughs> Spell check me on your notes. It did. All right, you're also going to be working on language skills with this. You can talk about your adjectives. Describe the screws. Are they big, small, fat, thin, heavy, light, shiny, dark, etc.? Talk about what you use the nuts and screws for in your everyday life. Teach them the words. I'm sorry, I'm still laughing about no. No, I get <laughs> Teach them the words. Nuts, screws, washer, etc. I know it sounds terrible, but they're like they're tools. It's a thing that exists in the world. It just sounds bad altogether. Um, that's only because we're we're having beverages. That's true. Show them the places in your home where nuts and screws are used, and explain why they're important. Like you know, when you walk over to maybe your TV stand, and you can see that there are nuts and bolts holding it together. Or how your table is put together. Or even how the hinges for a door are held on. Exactly. And then pray the kid doesn't figure out how a screwdriver works just yet and disassembles your house when you're not looking. Yeah, you got to watch out for those toddlers okay. with the, uh, the advanced motor skills. And a real quick reminder, if you've got a little kid who's still in the stage where they're putting things in their mouth, this isn't the activity for them. Because it does involve choking hazards. Next up is Play-Doh. Your materials for this are a few cans of Play-Doh. I like to use fun colors because I find that it catches their attention and it draws them into wanting to play. A placemat to play on. I don't know about you guys, but I really hate finding 
clay in the grooves of my table or all over my countertops. I can't stand it, so I like to have a mat down for that. And then you're going to ditto, need... ditto for the carpet, by the way, too. Oh, yeah. Don't play Play-Doh on the carpet. It's awful. Yeah. And then you're going to want to have any other tools you might want to play with in the Play-Doh. So like a rolling pin or scissors or a rotary cutter, a plastic one, of course. Um, little action figures, whatever. I like dinosaurs because you can make footprints. Anyways. Lego dudes. Yeah, definitely. So what you're going to do with this is you're going to open the Play-Doh and you're going to plop them down onto the placemats. Then you're going to invite your kids over to play. You can point out the colors and show them how to squeeze the Play-Doh in your hands where you're gripping it and then opening your hands to let it go. They can practice rolling it into a ball. They can flatten it with their hands. They can roll out snakes with it. While you're playing with this, describe what you're doing with the Play-Doh. Use the tools that you've assembled. Explain what you're doing with the tools for them. The more adjectives, the better. <clears throat> yeah, you never want to be silent around an early learner because they're constantly developing their language skills. And even if they're not talking back to you, they are absorbing all of it and it's getting in to their little minds and they're figuring out how all of this language stuff works. Encourage them to try the tools with the Play-Doh too. And then ask them to make up things using their imaginations. What kind of techniques do they need to use to make their creations? Maybe you want to make a snowman with the Play-Doh. You have to roll it in your hands into a ball. You have to stick them on top of each other. Do you want to make a snowman? Yes. Sorry, somebody's... Um... Kid number four is really into oh. Frozen right now. Yeah. This activity works on language skills with our adjectives and our nouns. It works on pretend play skills using their imaginations. And it works on fine and gross motor skills. The squishing and the pulling and the grasping work those tiny muscles in their fingers and their hands, which is really important for when they go to school and they're learning how to use a pencil and they're learning how to use scissors. Um, with the Play-Doh, I mentioned bringing in like action figures or dinosaurs. You can actually take those items and you can hide them inside of little Play-Doh balls and then they have to work to pull it apart in order to find the um, action figure, and that's also good for that muscular development. And it's like finding the prize in the cereal box. Yes. Yes. What do you got next, Jess? Next up is water beads, also known as florist beads or Orbeez. No, we are not sponsored by Orbeez. These are pretty fun, and our kids love them, especially kid number four. She thinks that they are fantastic to the point where the box of them that we have has to sit on top of the refrigerator where she can't reach it. You get a ton of these things for your money. Uh, um, they start out super duper tiny and they come in a variety of colors and they are readily available in craft stores as well as general merchandise stores and online stores. You can find them pretty much anywhere. Like how tiny are we talking here when it starts out? Like a tiny grain of rice that you actually cut in half. Whoa, okay, so very tiny. Yeah, you want to, this is another activity where you really need to supervise your kids. Do not put these into your mouths. They're very bad for you if you ingest them. How big do they get when they blow up? They blow up to about the size of a marble. Wow. Or this, I, I saw some jumbo ones online earlier this week when I was looking into this, and I thought those were pretty cool, but we haven't tried those out with our kids yet, so I can't verify And you that. mentioned all the places you can get them, you get them online, but 
to mention the online retailer that everybody uses who does not sponsor us. Right. Can you get it on Amazon? You absolutely can get them okay. on Amazon. There's like 87 different brands of this you can find on Amazon. Cool. Get the ones the cheapest. And... Exactly. They all work the same. <clears throat> so your materials for this, you are going to need the floor, the, the water beads. You're going to need a, like a, um, a plastic leftover food type container, put them in and you're going to need some water. So you're going to take your leftover food container and you're going to fill it about halfway with water. And then you're going to bring your kids over and you're going to show them all of the colors of the water beads that you have. And you're going to let them pick out some. So you're going to give them their, their water beads that they've picked and then they get to sprinkle it into the water. And then you're going to put your kids to bed because these things need to soak overnight. But before you put them to bed, you're going to have them notice just how tiny they are in the water. Because tomorrow morning, when they wake up and come check, they're going to be enormous compared to what they were. They're going to be about the size of a marble. And they're going to be a little bit translucent. It's pretty cool. Once the beads are the size of a marble, they're ready to be played with. We like to take them out of the container with the water and put them into a larger storage type container when they're being played with. This helps to contain them. They bounce and they roll away really fast. So watch out for that. Um, but also having them in a larger container allows for more hands to be able to reach in there to play with them. And that way they're not fighting over these things. And if you have pets, especially dogs, this would be a good time to section them off uh, sequester them somewhere else outside. If you're keep them, section them off by rooms with baby gates, use that. Because we've got a non-food item floating in a giant, essentially water dish to a canine. Mm -hmm. And they bounce, so that's exciting. It's like chasing bugs. Sorry. Anyway, you were saying, Jess. Yeah. So, you know, make again, make sure you don't eat these. Please always make sure to supervise your children when they're playing with the beads and to keep your pets away. Once you've got them in this larger container, go ahead and invite them in to play. Kids love to squish them in their hands. I love to squish them in my hands. They feel amazing. When they, when they stick their hands into the bead-filled container, they wave their hands around, they grab them and they release handfuls of them, they wiggle their fingers up and down and have the beads move in between their fingers, they roll them in between their two hands together, just like um, you're, when you're making like a Play-Doh ball, how you roll your hands together, they do that with the beads and it just feels really interesting. The beads feel cold and wet and they have an interesting sensation as they move over the skin of your hands or your feet. It's also really fun to get in the giant container and stomp around in there and feel the beads move over the bottoms and the tops of your feet. You know what's not awesome though? When one slips away from those and you're up in the morning and you're trying to shuffle your way over to the coffee maker and you step on one and you have no idea that I just stepped on a peeled grape. What's going on here? <laughs> and it's cold. And yes, wet. it's cold and wet. And that's not when you want to feel that time. So again, keep track of them. Right. So with our kids, the skills that we work on when we're playing with these things, we've got color identification. We've got expressive labeling where they tell me the color as well as receptive color ID, where I ask them to find me whatever color and they have to go dig through the bucket and find them. We sort, we sort by color into smaller containers. We work on the size of objects, big versus small in relation to the beads. So sometimes we'll bring Lego guys over and sometimes we'll bring dinosaurs over and, and Barbies and whatever else over and 
tiny little army men and I say, is this big or small in comparison to our water bead? And they can tell me the answer to that. We use our adjectives to describe the beads and how they feel. We've got cold, wet, cool, squishy, smelly. They do kind of smell a little weird. So some kids will find that they smell smelly. Uh, we work on our motor skills. We've got pincher grip to grip them and pick them up one by one. We work on scooping and pouring with spoons and cups and shovels. We work on folding our hands into the shape of a cup in order to hold little piles of the beads inside of our hands. We have these little scoop scissors that the kids absolutely love. Um, they're actually made by a company called Learning Resources and they are phenomenal. Um, and we practice the motion of cutting with them, but they're not scissors. They just have the same sort of joint that scissors have. And so they can practice that uh, finger movement motion that is used to, to work the scissors. And that's really important because when they go to preschool, that's one of the biggest skills that they do there is learning to use scissors. So this is extra practice for that. They're also fun because when you, you open them up, you can scoop a whole bunch of beads and then you can snap it shut and then you can carry them around and dump them out, dump them out somewhere else. Sweet. And what's next? Sticky table or wall. This one is one of my favorites. I think it is so much fun. So the materials that you're going to need for this are plain white or clear contact paper, but really it doesn't matter because the sticky side is going to be facing up and it's, I think it's almost always white, no matter even if it's like a floral pattern on the back side. I, yeah, every time I've worked with it, it's always been white on the sticky side. Yeah. It's the other side, so. Right, and that's not going to matter because you're not going to Get the one on, it could be the ugliest one on the shelf. If it's on clearance, grab it. Yep, definitely. You're going to want to have some painter's tape because that won't ruin the surface that you're going to stick this on. And then you need some stuff to stick to the contact paper. So we like to use foam shapes, pipe cleaners, pom-poms, googly eyes, sequins, confetti, cotton balls, whatever you got in the house. Whatever was on clearance at the craft store. Sure. Anything, anything, and everything will work on this. So to set it up, you're going to cut a large piece of contact paper off of the roll. And then you're going to put the non-sticky side down onto the table or the wall so that the sticky side faces up and is available to be decorated. You're going to tape it into place using the painter's tape, and then you're going to remove the backing on the contact paper so that the sticky side has been exposed. Bring your materials out and then invite your kids over to play with you. I like to put each kind of material into its own container or pile around the sticky table. I also like to space it so that kid number one has one side of the table, kid number two has another side of the table, and so on. That way they're not fighting over materials. Show your kids how the contact paper is sticky by putting your finger on it and then pulling it off. They can see that it takes a little bit of effort to pull your finger away. Don't worry, it won't hurt you. Show them the materials you've assembled and label them. Invite them to create something using the materials. Show them how they can put something onto the sticky paper and then pull it off and put it somewhere else if they want to. Encourage them to talk about what they're making. Is it a building? Is it a face? What colors are they using? What shapes? Are they flowers? Can you eat it? Tell me about it. Is there a story to go with it? Exactly. So the skills that this activity works on are language skills. We've got conversation skills galore here. They're going to be so excited to tell you about what they're making. Encourage them to add details to their explanations. Is it hairy? Is it bumpy? What's it used for? Who's going to come and see it? You can work on shape, expressive, and receptive identification. 
when you're doing like, what shape is this? You can work on shape expressive and receptive identification where you say, what shape is this? And you point to a different one and they have to label it. Or you can say, give me the square and they have to find you the square. What shapes can you put together to make another shape? For example, two triangles will make a square or a rectangle. You can work on color identification with this. And you can work on expressive descriptions of the materials. Pipe cleaners are fuzzy. They're hairy. They're pokey on the ends. Foam. Long and skinny. Yeah. Foam, foam shapes are squishy and flat. And googly eyes wiggle a lot when you move them. They're silly. They are so silly. And the kids love them. You can actually get googly eyes that are different colors. And sometimes you can find them where they actually have eyelashes. And those are hysterical. With this activity, we're also working on some fine motor skills. They've got to do a lot of pinching to grasp those items and to put them just so on the sticky table. We've got hand-eye coordination because they'll see a space where they want to put a thing and then they have to put it in just the right spot to make their idea come to life. They're also working on concentration skills. They have to focus and they have to take their time when they're placing their items. Awesome. And which of our kids has enjoyed this activity the most? Over uh, the years. Kid number one and kid number two. They've absolutely loved it. Not shocked. No, we should. We need to do it with kid number four. I think she'll have a ball. <laughs> Speaking of balls, what is the feed ball man? Yeah, feed ball man. It's super fun. So the materials that you're going to need for this are an old tennis ball or a racquetball. So a pair of scissors or an X-Acto knife. A marker or a couple of markers. And some tiny trinkets to feed into the ball, into ball man. So things like marbles, army men, coins, beads, old school little people, board game pieces, beans, etc. So choking hazards, so keep an eye on your choking kid. Choking hazards, yes. This is another supervisor kid activity. Do not walk away from them where you can't see them while you're playing with this. But any small manipulative that you can fit inside of a tennis ball will work. So what you're going to do for this is you're going to take your old tennis ball and you're going to cut a mouth into it using either the scissors or the X-Acto knife. The slit that you make for the mouth should be longish. You can check the opening by pinching either side of the ball inward to pinch what's going to be his mouth open. And then when you pinch it, it should be wide enough to fit two fingers inside. Ideally, you're going to want to fit your thumb and your pointer finger in there. And then using the markers that you've got, you can draw on a face. We want to have an eyes. We want to have eyes, nose, ears, hair, whatever you want. Once you've got Ball Man created, bring your kids over to play with him. Introduce Ball Man to them. Show them his facial features. Show them how Ball Man can open his mouth to eat, and he is hungry. So he's going to look like a famous video game character that is trademarked. Yeah, I guess he is. I didn't think about that. But that is what he looks like. Whatever, we can't call him that anyway. We can't, but I'm sure you can all figure it out. Hand Ball Man to the kids and tell them to feed him. Encourage them to use their pincher grip and their finger muscles to push the sides of the ball together to open his mouth. Use the other pincher fingers to grasp the items and feed them to Ball Man one at a time. You can play a game with this one. You can say, Ball Man is hungry for, and then describe one of the items available to feed to him. For example, Ball Man is hungry for something that is green. So the answer would be maybe an army man. Ball Man is hungry for something that we can also eat, a bean. This activity works on conversation skills. They can make up stories about Ball Man and what he eats. Imaginative play. They can make up a story about his favorite foods and where he has to travel, travel to get them. And our fine motor skills with our pincher grip. 
And they can also name ball man to give them something a little bit more creative. Yeah. Like Leroy. <laughs> sure, Leroy. But while they're being creative with names, something perfectly better than just Leroy, not picking on the Leroys out there, but something a little bit more expressive. What else can they do to tap into that creative spirit? So we recently did an art project based on a famous artist. And we actually did it with all four of our kids. And they had a blast. Was it Bob Ross? No, it was not Bob Ross. Because I'm not awesome enough at art to make happy little trees and clouds. Kid number one absolutely loves Bob Ross. She does. She watches it all day long. It's funny. He's on Netflix now. Mm -hmm. So the materials you're going to need... To make an art project based on a famous artist are a book or a website about any famous artist that you like. Literally any of them. You can, you can imitate all of their different types of art. You're going to want to have a short bio, a years uh, that they were creating their art, the type of art they made, and examples of their work to show your kids. Then you're going to need to have any art materials that are pertinent to the type of art that you'll be imitating. So when I did this, I gathered up all of my kids, even the toddler, and I told them that we were going to be learning about famous artists and we would be practicing their style of art. They picked out their own acrylic colors at the store to use. Um, this also helped to get them to sort of buy into the activity because a couple of them, when I went to talk to them about Jackson Pollock, we actually have a book full of different kinds of artists that's specifically geared for kids. So I found his two pages in the book and I read it to them, and we um, we looked at the examples that were in the book, and then I pulled out my phone, and we Googled it, and we found more examples of his work. The older kids really liked that. They thought that was pretty cool. And what did the younger kids think? They said, when do we get to paint? <laughs> so after we had a couple, of, um, a couple of solid examples to use to base our art on, and I went over some of his techniques, which is pretty simple because he made splatter art, for lack of a better term. We created. I gave them their paints. I had my paints. I showed them what to do with my utensils and my paint splatters, and then I set them loose. And this kept them occupied for about two and a half hours in the backyard. And they got covered in paint head to toe, and they laughed, and they squealed, and they had so much fun. And their art actually turned out really beautiful, and they like to look at it, and it makes them super happy to see it every time they walk by where we have them hanging up. And let's face it, anything that keeps them occupied for that long and happy is a win right there for parents. Yeah. This, um, I mean, I guess it, it works on gross and fine motor skills since you're creating art and you're using your hands. But we, we didn't... Well, it works on vocabulary and there's adjectives and colors and how forceful and there's all sorts of things in that. But they were happy. Yeah, we did this one creative. just to be creative and to have fun one day. And if it turns out well, you've gotten, if you, especially if you put it on a, a canvas, mm -hmm. you've got something you can hang on your wall and people come over and they might not even, they might think you're some high-end <laughs> art collector and not realizing, oh, your four-year-old made that. Exactly. Or they might be into the high-end art world and still not realize your four-year-old made it. <clears throat> but moving on. Next up, we've got balloon bath. This one, it's just for fun. There are no skills really to work on, except for maybe language skills. Um, it's just to soak up time if your kids are bored, and if you're bored and you need something fun to do. So the materials you're gonna need for this are a bathtub, 
Uh, you're going to need some water in that bathtub, and you're going to need some balloons that you have blown up. Don't use helium balloons. I like to use a variety of sizes and colors depending on which kid I'm doing this with. So what you're going to do is you're going to blow up a bunch of balloons beforehand. You need enough to fill up the bathtub. Fill the tub with water at your preferred temp, and once the tub is full to your liking, put the balloons into play. Once the balloons are in there, bring your kid in and throw them in the tub. They'll love it. We did this with kid number two, and he was extremely suspicious of it at first. He took one look at all those blue balloons in there, and he said no. And I said, oh yeah, come on over, let's touch the balloons. And we sort of bounced them in the water, and he giggled, and he thought that was pretty funny. And then I picked him up, and I put him in the tub, and he was absolutely delighted. He was kicking his feet and splashing his hands, and the balloons were flying everywhere, and they were getting splashed with water, and it was excellent. We tossed the balloons back and forth. We sprinkled water on them. We would make waves with our hands and our feet, and we'd watch the balloons bounce up and down on those waves. How much water does it take in the tub for this? Not a lot of water. I like to have it cover their legs, but I don't like for it to be very deep. Plus, that way it's not splashing out of the tub. Exactly. We also held the balloons under the water, and then we watched them pop right back up. Staying with the line of bathtub and bathtub time. Are there other bathtub activities you can do? Definitely. You can do a color bath with your kids. Um, different companies make these little tablets that you can buy and you put them in the tub when the tub is filling up and they change the color of the water. So if you've got a little girl like kid number four, she adores pink and purple right now and she thinks that that is the most magical thing ever. Kid number two always loved the color blue when he was still taking baths, and he would say, it's blue, and he would be so happy. Kid number three always, pref his favorite color is yellow, and that uh, didn't work out so well with the color tablets. No, no, no. <laughs> Somehow we usually ended up throwing a little uh, blue in to make green, yeah. because a very yellow tub, yeah. <laughs> anyway. You can also have a glow sticks party in the tub. So you're going to want to have a dark bathroom, or a semi-dark bathroom if your kid isn't too keen on darkness. And then you're going to need some glow sticks. I like to use a variety of colors because I like color, but you can use whatever your kid's favorite color is. Uh, you want to crack them so that they start to light up, and then you just toss them in the tub. If you've, if you've got them already at your house, uh, those, those sticky stars that you can charge up underneath a light, you can charge them up, and then you can sort of stick them to the bathroom wall, and that'll also help illuminate your dark bathroom. And then you bring your kid in and it's like a completely different experience because it's dark and it's 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 wet, but it, there's lights that are glowing everywhere and it's just everything's sort of different in the dark. It's like bath time meets a rave. Yeah, kind of. Super fun. You can also do watercolor painting in the tub. So you need to get a set of washable watercolor paints, a paintbrush or two, and then you need your kid. So you're going to stick your kid in the tub, hand them the paints and say, paint me a picture on the wall. And since they're washable paints, they shouldn't stay on the wall past bath time. You should be able to take your shower hose and just squirt it off when you're done. Test it out. Yeah, at test nighttime, it out. When your kid's in bed, so you can test it out and the kid doesn't see it. If it comes out in a small area, <laughs> and as long as it comes off and everything's fine, then try it with your kid. Yeah. All right, moving away from the tub. <clears throat> what else do you have for us, Jess? I spy jar. This is... This has been a huge hit in our house. Everybody loves it. I've also done it at a school holiday party, and that I got rave reviews 
from parents, teachers, and kids over this. So for the parent who gets what I like to call voluntold, <laughs> forcibly volunteered into helping out with the holiday party, or they just want to volunteer for the holiday party and come up with a cool activity for them to do, here you go. This yeah. is it. This is um, it's especially good if you're going to do it for, with a holiday party at school. If you've got a small class, um, it's it's good for that. If it's a larger class, you need to be careful about your budget because some of this can add up very quickly. But it is great for holiday parties. So the materials you're going to need are an empty clear container. So you can use a mason jar, you can use a plastic ornament, you can use a clear plastic water bottle. Then you're going to need either some rice or some clear polyfill beads or white styrofoam pellets. And what is uh, polyfill beads? It's like a um, it's like a clear. It's like the stuff in a lot of stuffed animals. Got it. All right. Then you're going to need some trinkets of various shapes and sizes. I like to use the fun buttons that you can find at the local sewing stores, but you can use pretty much anything you want as long as they're small enough to fit into the opening of the container you're using. Because if you can't get it in, it's not going to work. Insert your <laughs> nut hole reference here. The number of items will depend on how big your container is. I like to have about 20 items in there just because it helps keep the kids occupied for longer when you're playing with this. You're also going to want to have a piece of cardstock to write the items down on. Uh, you'll need a pencil, a piece of ribbon, and a hot glue gun or a super glue. So what you're going to do is you're going to take your container and then you're going to take your trinkets and stick them inside of your clear container. As you're filling up your container with your items, go ahead and make a list of all of those. You'll need it later. Fill up your container with the filling, either the polyfill or the styrofoam pellets or whatever of your choice. Um, and you're going to do that to about a little more than three quarters of the way full. You don't want to fill it up all the way because that empty space in there is going to allow you to have room to shake it up so that the items can still sort of move around inside of the, the filling. I personally like to use the clear polyfill beads because I like for most of this to be sort of see-through, but you can use whatever you like. Shake up your container so that your items get really well mixed in with your beads, and then you're going to want to hot glue or super glue your lid to your container. This way, tiny humans can't take it apart and then eat the contents. Or sprinkle polyfill across oh, your entire house. Yeah, you don't want that to happen. So like I said, I like to make a list of all the items on the cardstock, and then I tie it to the container with the piece of ribbon. That way we always know what's inside of there. Um, for the really young players, I'll actually make a small picture tag on the card along with the word, and that way they can see easily see what's supposed to be inside of the container. Especially useful when they can't read yet. Yes. Once you've finished creating it with your kid, you're going to play with it. Show them the bottle, tell them about the things inside, and then tell them, we're going to play a fun game called I Spy. I'm going to find something in this jar, and I'll give you one clue that describes the item I'm thinking about. You'll need to turn the bottle around and shake it until you find the item I'm thinking of. If you don't want to play I Spy with your kid, maybe you need to talk to somebody on the phone or you need to get dinner started or whatever, you can hand them the label that you made that lists the items and they can see if they can find all of them on their own. This game is great for language development and expressive identification of objects, receptive identification of objects, and conversation skills. It's also good for learning how to take turns. This is our favorite game to play when we're at the pediatrician's office. 
Our kids will literally play it from the moment we step into the exam room until the doctor comes in. We've had to wait like upwards of an hour before he actually came into the room and they were so happy to just keep playing this over and over and over again. It's also been a big hit on long car trips. Yes, there's a DVD player in the car, but trying to get four kids to agree on a movie is difficult. They each can have their own bottle. Even the older kids get into it. Mm -hmm. And they they can have different items in different bottles, so then they can mix and match and trade and see who can beat each one. Yeah, so like Marco just said, you can actually have um, themed jars. You could have a Halloween jar that's maybe filled with black pony beads and then Halloween... Related items like witches, zombies, ghosts, jack-o'-lanterns. Or maybe you want to have a pond-themed uh, I Spy jar where you've got frogs and dragonflies and boats and fish and whatever else goes along with ponds in there. Basically, whatever your kid likes that you can find items to match, you can put them in this jar and they will absolutely love it. We, When I did this for a class party, um, it was a Christmas party, And so I found the clear plastic ornaments at a local craft store, and I I found the Christmas-themed items and brought them into the class, and we put them together, and everybody just absolutely raved about it. I had one mom actually come up to me last year and say that her kid was still playing with his I Spy bottle from that party. Aw. Yeah, it was really sweet. What were some of the Christmas-themed items that went in? Oh, let's see. We had uh, bells, like jingle bells. Yeah. And we had tiny Santa Claus buttons. And we had um, a Christmas star. So, like, (laughs) we had candy canes in there. I had reindeer. Um, I found tiny little manger scene people. No. (laughs) I found tiny little manger scene people. I put them in there. Um, I actually used a red pom-pom, and I said that it was Rudolph's nose. They really liked that. I don't know, just all snowflakes. Those were another another item that we put in there. Cool. Yeah. And last but not least tonight, you got one more for us. What is it? It's strainer and pipe cleaner play. So the materials you're going to need for this are a kitchen strainer. It doesn't matter what size it is or what it's made out of. As long as it's got holes and can withstand some pushing from a kid, it'll work. So basically whatever you're straining your pasta with. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think like the fold-up kind of strainer will work with a toddler who's going to be like smashing their hands into it. But any sort of plastic or metal strainer is going to work perfect. And about that size too, something you use for a pot of pasta. Yep, perfect. And then you're going to need a bag of multicolored pipe cleaners. So what you're going to do is you're going to put your strainer on the table. You're going to open the package of pipe cleaners and put them in a pile on the table. And then you're going to have your kid come over to check it out. Show them the pipe cleaners and explain how you're going to stick them into the holes of the strainer and then show them how to do it. Once they've seen you do it a couple of times, turn them loose. Let them try. This is really great for hand-eye coordination. and They have to be able to line up the end of the pipe cleaner and put it into those tiny holes. It's also good for pincher grip with the fine motor skills. And then language skills. You can talk about the colors and how the pipe cleaners feel. Is it hard to put the pipe cleaners into the holes of the strainer, or is it easy? You're also working on imaginative play with this. Once they have the pipe cleaners in the strainer, they have a really fun hat that they can wear around the house. They can make up a story about who they are with this funny hat on. Be sure to take pictures. Yeah, definitely. Bring them out when they're graduating high school. Yes! So some variations on this. Um, Instead of a strainer, you can actually use an empty Pringles can. Poke some holes into the lid 
And then if you've got some Sharpies in various colors that match your pipe cleaners, you can actually like color a ring around each hole in a different color. And that way your kids have to work on color sorting skills. And then um, since the pipe cleaners are pretty long, you can actually cut them into quarters and then they can put those tiny pieces into those tiny holes and it can become like a fun game. it's just about enough for one episode in addition i'm out of beer how's your uh, rum and coke going it's almost gone i think we forgot to mention at the beginning though are we sponsored by coke no are we sponsored by whatever rum you picked no are we sponsored by founders no no we just happen to be drinking it tonight that said i'm out of this unsponsored beverage i've been drinking tonight we've gone over quite a few strategies on keeping those shortest people in the house physically stimulated, mentally stimulated, whether they're sheltering in place or it's just another day in life. So, Jessica, it's been fun. Loads of fun, Marco. Let's do this again soon. Sounds good. This has been the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. Until next time, bye. Bye.